Joe said earlier, but I'm his, um, I'm his older brother. So I wonder, is there any other older brothers or older sisters in here today? Okay, quite a few, quite a few. We're going to be looking, we're going to carry on looking at the prodigal God, the, the, the story of the prodigal son, um, sometimes called the prodigal God. And uh, obviously I'm an older brother, we've got some older brothers and older sisters in here. But what I want to show you today is that this story isn't just for older siblings, but actually... The older brother applies to all of us. We can all have traits. We can all relate in some way to the older brother. Um, So to do that, before we do anything, I just want to pray. It's the last week. I want to make sure that we do this text well. And and I want us to meet with Jesus. So close your eyes with me and we'll we'll pray. Father, we, we thank you for this week. We thank you for everything that we've heard about you. We thank you that you've met with us. We thank you that you've poured out your spirit. We thank you that people have come to know you for the first time. We thank you that people have encountered you and and there's been healings this week. We thank you for everything that you've done. Lord, we ask that as we we come to you now on one of the, the last seminars, maybe one of the last talks we'll listen to at New Day, that you would reveal yourself to us. That as we look at your word, you would speak to us. That we would come to know you, that we would be changed, that today would be a pivotal moment in our lives where we look at your word, that you would meet with us and that we would be changed. And we pray for these things, Lord, in your name. Amen. Okay. I want to start with a little story. When I was in about, anyone in year seven in here? Year eight? Anyone in year seven, year eight? No? Everyone a bit older? All right. So when I was in about year seven, year eight, I was staying at a mate's house for the weekend. It was during the summer. And we were getting up to all sorts of mischief over the weekend. We were doing, we were doing lots of things that, we've, that we shouldn't have been doing. And uh, one, one day, we went, we went back to my mate's house. And I can't remember what happened. I was, trying to, I was trying to remember. I can't remember what happened. But basically, I ended up storming out. I got the hump about a situation. Something, something upset me. Something bothered me. And I stormed out. And I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm going home. And I, I picked up my bag. I got my sleeping bag. And I walked home. And it took me about an hour and a half to get home. And then when I got home, I let myself in. My mum come downstairs and she said, Sean, what, what are you doing? What are you doing here? What's going on? Why are you home? The reason she was so surprised was because it was about half three in the morning. I was so annoyed that in the middle of the night, I just decided to up and leave and storm out. And storming out and having tantrums and walking out is something that often we associate with little kids, right? Maybe little, little toddlers, little children. They can get emotional when they don't get their 15th chocolate bar of the day and the mum says, no, you can't have any more. And they start to have a little tantrum. And as a, as a little boy, I can, I, can, I can tell, I don't know where he's gone, but Joe very much had that little tantrum down to an art. I'm his, I'm his older brother by six years, so I, I can tell you now. He, he comes up, he's on the main stage, giving it all the big one, but he knows how to have a tantrum, and he knows how to storm out when he don't get things his way. Um, and we all feel like storming out. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. We, feel, we might be in school, and there might be a lesson that we struggle with, or a teacher that really gets on our nerves and we just feel like oh I just want to leave that and some of us some of us do that some of us will just leave the classroom I'm a primary school teacher in New Cross in South East London and there are kids sometimes that just storm out of lessons and sometimes we, we do that when we, we're in school or we might be at a church um, in church and uh, there's someone speaking hopefully this isn't going to happen today but someone's speaking and, you, and you, you've lost what they're on about you, you, you're bored and, and you just think oh you know what I'm done I'm, I'm going to go or it could be even a family event. You know those big ones where everyone gets together, everyone's talking, and you know what, you're just bored. 
You just think, oh, why have I got a beer? I wish I could just, I wish I could just leave. And sometimes in those situations, we do that. We do storm out physically. Like we get up, we leave the room. Or we do what, what I like to do in those situations. And I like to play the toilet card. Where you go, oh, you know what? Just need a toilet. I don't want to cause a scene. But I'm, I'm bored, I'm annoyed or whatever. I've had enough. And you just play the toilet card. You're like, I'm just going to go for the toilet. And you go and give yourself five minutes, stretch your legs, cool off. And then, and then you come back like everything's all right. And you go again. But sometimes we don't even storm out physically. Sometimes we just do it mentally, right? So we're in the room, but we're not in the room. We're thinking about something else. We're thinking about the weekend. We're thinking about that girl. We're thinking about that boy. We're thinking about our, I don't know, you, you collect the ball in midfield. You take it around one man. You make another little flip-flap, and then you ping it in the top corner. Or you might just be on your thumb. But you're, you're not in. You've stormed out phys- uh, mentally. You're not in the room. You've stormed out. And this is where we find ourselves in a story of... The, the prodigal son. We've got the older brother. And as we've heard, the younger brother, he's come home. He's, he's dishonoured his dad. He's done some reckless living. He's been mucking around with prostitutes. He's ended up being eating, in a, in, eating out of pigs, with pigs. And he's come home. And what's happened is, as we know, his, his older brother, his, his father, who, like God, sees him, forgives him. We know this. We've heard this from Emma and Isaac and, and from Joe and Rebecca yesterday. And he forgives him and he throws this big party, this big celebration and everything's happy and everyone is happy except for the older brother. Because where we, the point we get to in the story now is that the older brother has stormed out. Now, I don't know if he's played the toilet card and just slipped out quietly. The Bible doesn't say. Or I don't know if he's upended a table, kicked a door in, gone says some naughty words and left. We don't know. It doesn't, the Bible doesn't tell us. But we know that he's got the right hump and that he's stormed out. See, the dad's put on this party and this party, it's a big deal. It's a very big deal. This isn't like a cup of tea and some chocolate biscuits. There's a, he's got the fattened calf. The fattened calf was saved for a special occasion. It was a very, very big deal. It, you know, everyone would have been there. It would have been a street party. It would have been like a carnival. It would, have been, it would have been a big, big deal. And the older brother's not happy. He's not happy because essentially he thinks it's not fair. And my first question today would be, are you an older brother? Can you relate to the older brother? Because I think actually, at times, we think, you know what? He's got a point. The older brother's got a point. He's always respected his dad. He's worked hard for the family business and he's been overlooked. He's been mugged off by his old man because his little brother who does nothing, spent all the inheritance, done all of that stuff, he gets this big, big celebration. He gets the ring. He gets the robe. He gets the full Monty and the older brother who's been working and working and working, honouring his dad, doing the right thing every single day, he just gets passed over. He gets overlooked. And so maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you're in your school and you, maybe you're one of the ones that works hard. You're the one that always goes to youth group on a Friday. You're always there. You serve on a Sunday. You help round the house. You've been doing the right thing for as long as you can remember. You've been going New Day as long as you can remember. You've been going, you grew up in the church. You've been going as long as you can remember. And so maybe actually, when you hear the story of the prodigal son, and you hear about the younger brother getting up to what he gets up to, and then you hear about the older brother, you think, yeah. He's got a point. He was wrong to be like that. And you, and you, you don't understand. You think, right, 
when that person turns up at youth on a Friday, why do they get all the attention? I come every week. I'm here every week doing the right thing. Like I engage in it. I talk to people. Like if we have a little time of worship or a talk, like I'm there. I serve on a Sunday. And then someone else turns up and they get all of the fuss. Someone turns up at New Day. They, they've booked into New Day and a big fuss was made. And we think, if our youth leader, if my youth leader, if they knew what they were really like, if they knew what they were really like when they weren't at youth, if they knew what they were really like when they weren't at school, and you find yourself like the older brother, and fundamentally, you think it's not fair. You'd never say that. You'd never say, oh, it's not fair. But you, you might think it. You might think it's not fair how they get all the attention and, they, and how they get that. And it's not the younger brother that you relate to in this story. Because you haven't had that rebellion. You haven't gone off and done all that business. But actually, it's the older brother that sits with you. you. You feel like you're the older brother. And you might have even started off as a younger brother and moved and now found yourself as an older brother. And that's, that's my story, really. If you were here yesterday, you would have heard a little bit from Joe about our home life. Growing up, our dad was, was an alcoholic. Our parents didn't know Jesus. We never went to church. Church was for weirdos, like, you know, geeks and stuff. Like, we didn't have nothing to do with any of that. And I, I was, when, I was, um, when I was growing up, I got, into, I got involved in things with my mates in school and, and from where we lived that, we, that I shouldn't have done, really. Nothing, nothing majorly mischievous. Like, oh, there was a couple of run-ins with the police and stuff, but essentially it was just about trying to make money, trying to get a bit of a reputation, trying to get a bit of recognition. You know, like people see me and be like, oh, yeah, there's, there's Sean and, and, and the rest of the guys. Like, just trying to get a bit of a rep. And so with that, stuff happened as well. And um, when I was 18... I met with Jesus, and, and, and I, was, I, was the prodigal, I was the younger brother, I was the prodigal son. God took hold of me, he lifted me out, he redeemed me, he rescued me, he saved me, and I was the, I was the younger brother. But what's happened, and I can't, I can't say when exactly, but over time there was a shift. And I moved from being able to relate to the younger brother, to relating to the older brother. And over time I started to to question things. So I said, so why are they doing that? Why are they getting that attention? Why is that person leading worship? Why is that person being allowed to preach? Why? Like, it's, you know, I was around their house last, last night and the way that they were talking wasn't honouring God. And now they've got a mic on Sunday at church and now they're talking to the church. And I, I became like that older brother. And I started to do it with everyone. I started to, to put myself... As the, you know, as, as the standard of, the, of, of, of judgment. And so I'd be at church and I'd be there physically, but mentally I was just criticising. And I'd go home and I'd just unload on my wife and I'd just be like, oh, babe, you know what? Why do they do these decisions? Why? If they'd done it this way, it'd have been so much better. Like, they, you know what? They ain't got a clue. Like, if they knew what... Like, and I'd just go on and on and on and on and on and on. And the... The thing is, these people that I was criticising, these people that I was judging, they weren't younger brothers. They weren't people that hadn't gone to church. These were people that you might know. There's one over there in a green cap. He's Steve Friday, he's one of the elders at my church. But then another one, Ben Lindsay, who's on the Big Top Ribbon Factory. He was one of the people I was criticising, judging. And Stu Gibbs, he was another one that, that I would judge and criticise. And eventually, thankfully, these people love Jesus, they love the gospel, they're, they're grace-filled and, 
and it sort of all came up. And I met with them and I repented to them, I apologized to them, and we prayed together, and it's been dealt with. But what the point is this that you might not necessarily have started off as an older brother. You might have come to church, you might have been new to church, but you could still be the older brother. Or you might have grown up in church and you can still relate to the brother, the older brother, because you can see some of the things he's got up to. And the problem with being an older brother is that you make everything about you. So instead of celebrating the good news that your younger brother has come home, instead of celebrating that, you haven't seen him, you don't know what happened to him, instead of celebrating and joining in with that joyous occasion, he's, the older brother's made it about himself. And he's made church about himself. See, older brothers, or sisters, I keep saying brothers, but it's obviously, it's not, it's not just a, a boy and girl thing. But older brothers make it about themselves. And that's a slippery slope. Because when you make it about yourself, you're not making it about Jesus. Because when you're making it about yourself, you're not making it about Jesus. See, most of us think that sin is breaking the Ten Commandments. You know, like not lying, not stealing, not murdering, you know, like having a clean mouth, not, you know, not, not cursing or swearing. And we think it's a list. And if we break that list, then we sin. But what Jesus shows us with the older brother is that actually sin is putting yourself in the place of God. And so that's why it's a slippery slope. Because if you can relate to the older brother, then you're in very dangerous ground because you're putting yourself, you're in danger of putting yourself in the place of God. You're in danger of making it about yourself. Thinking that you can earn your salvation, that you can be a good person by the things that you've done. By working hard, by at school, by going to youth every week, by serving, and you've made it about yourself, what you can do. And so that the, the question is, if you feel like you can relate to the older brother, what's your motivation? And I've got a story that, to tell about this. I wish it was true. It might be true, but it probably ain't, but... Let's go with it. Now, this story is about a gardener. Now, this gardener, he grew a carrot. And the carrot, this is going to be a prize for someone as well, so make sure you listen to him. I know you want a carrot. This carrot, it was the best and biggest it was carrot that this gardener had ever grown. It was an amazing carrot. And so this gardener, he took the carrot, and he goes to the king of the land, and he says, King... This is the best carrot I've ever grown or ever will grow. And I want to give it to you. I want to honour you. I want to give it to you. And so the king goes, ah. He takes it and says, thank you. And as the gardener goes to walk out, the king discerns his heart, the gardener's heart. And he says, gardener, I've got a load of land next to your farm, next to your garden. What I want you to do, you clearly, love, you clearly love me, you clearly love the kingdom. I want you to have the, 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 the land that I've got around your garden. You can have it as a gift and you can steward it and you can grow even more carrots. There you go. <laughs> and so there was a nobleman in the court though. And the nobleman thought, ah, oh, hang about. If he's getting a load of land for a carrot, what would you get? If you give him saying, oh, saying better than a carrot. Carrots ain't that good. Saying better than a carrot. So no one had to think. And he's coming. Next day, he's come in. 
Ready? <laughs> and he's come in with a teddy bear. No, he, did. he came in with a black stallion, a black racehorse. The finest racehorse you'd ever would see. This isn't a prize, it's my baby boys. If I give it away, you'll go nuts. But um, he came in with, a, with this black racehorse, this stallion. And he says, king, 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 I breed racehorses. This is the best racehorse I'll ever breed, that I've ever, ever... I want you to have it. I want it to be a gift to you, to honour you. So the king says, ah, oh, thank you very much, noble man. Off you go. Keeps the, uh, keeps the horse. The nobleman walks out and he's sort of waiting as he's walking out. He's waiting for the king to call him back to see what his, his reward's going to be. King calls him back. He says, oh, nobleman, what are you waiting for? And so the nobleman says, oh, I thought, you know, nothing. The king says to him, listen, the gardener gave me the carrot. You gave yourself the horse. His motivation was all wrong. The nobleman, like the older brother, had made it about himself. He hadn't made it about his king. He made it about himself. There's another story. It's not in the Bible, but it's about Jesus and his disciples. It's a, it's a story uh, written by a lady called Elizabeth Elliot. Her husband, Jim Elliot, was a, was a missionary martyr. That means he went to try and tell people about Jesus, but he got killed for his faith for his, uh, in, in Jesus. If you ever read anything by Jim Elliot, I thoroughly recommend it. And his wife wrote this story um, about Jesus and his disciples to illustrate this point. And the story goes like this, that one day the disciples were walking and Jesus stopped them and Jesus said, right, boys, what I want you to do is I want you to carry a stone for me. Carry a stone for me. And so Peter, I don't know why everyone keeps talking about Peter, don't they? Peter, he's thought, oh, you know, I've got this. Jesus hasn't said how big. He hasn't said the size of it. So Peter's had a little look round and he's found himself a stone. So he's gone, bosh, I'll have that one. Sticks it in his pocket and follows Jesus. And they're walking all morning and it gets to lunchtime. And Jesus stops them and says, right, boys, lunchtime, get out your stones. So they get out of their stones. And Jesus turns the stones into bread. Peter is absolutely gutted. Two bites in and he's finished his lunch. He's devastated. Doesn't matter, he thinks it'll be all right. They finish their lunch. The other two, turns out they had a big stone. So they had a, they had a big lunch. So Jesus, they finish their lunch. Jesus says, right, I want you to carry a stone again. And I want you to carry it for me. Peter goes, ah, oh, I get it now. I know what's going on. He has a look round. I try to find one. I couldn't find one. Peter does. Peter finds a boulder, a massive boulder. And he hoists it up on his back. And he starts walking. And they're walking, and they, and they carry on their journey. Peter's really far behind, you know, staggering along with his big boulder, but he's thinking, you know what, I can't wait till supper time. I can't wait till it's dinner, because I'm going to be quids in. Anyway, dinner time does come. Jesus says, right, boys, throw your stones, your rocks, throw them into the water. Peter's thinking, yes, I love fish. He throws it in, and then Jesus says, come on, follow me. Peter looks around at the other disciples. They're all looking at each other, going, what's going on? Like, what's, what's for dinner? And Jesus looks at Peter, and he says to Peter, Peter, who are you carrying that stone for? What did I ask you to do? You see, Peter, like the older brother, he weren't carrying a stone for Jesus. Peter, like the older brother, had made it all about himself. 
So not only is it dangerous to be an older brother because you, you, you distract from Jesus, I think one of the fundamental issues I've got with being an older brother, and one of the fundamental issues that I dealt with when I was going through this stuff, is that when you're an older brother, you miss out. When you're an older brother, you miss out. There's a party going on. There's the fattened calf. There's music. Or if it was Isaac doing it, there's jell rice. No chicken. I don't know why he didn't say that. I'd put chicken in there as well. And there was all sorts going on. It's this big, big party. Everyone's having a good time. And where's the older brother? He's not having a good time. He's not celebrating. You see, if you're an older brother, you miss out. If you're an older brother, you're missing out. You're not in a party. You're not celebrating. You're missing out. So instead of celebrating what God has done in, the, in his lives, brother, instead of celebrating what God's done in his own life, the older brother's comparing and judging. And so if, you, if that's you, what I'd say to you today is this line, and I want you, this is what I want you to remember. If you're an older brother in here this afternoon or this morning, put down the binoculars... Put down the binoculars. Stop comparing. Stop contrasting. Stop worrying about everyone else. Put down the binoculars and pick up a mirror and look in the mirror. And this is what Jesus tells us to do. Jesus says, why do you look at a speck of sawdust in your brother's eye when you've got a plank in your own eye? And so if you're an older brother, you're looking at the, you're looking at the speck and you're calling it out. In someone else's life. And whilst you're doing that, whilst you're criticising someone else, you've got a plank in your own eye. You need to deal with the plank before you do anything else. The Bible tells us that everyone is sinful, that no one is good except for God. And so for you to criticise and say, you don't know what they've done, they've been up to this, they've been up to that, is foolishness. Because no one is good. So you need to deal with the plank in your own eye before you start calling out the sawdust, the speck in other people's eye. You see, time spent comparing yourself to other people is time spent missing out. You're too busy, the older brother was too busy looking at the younger brother to realise that he wasn't in the party, that he wasn't getting any jelly and ice cream, that he wasn't dancing, that he wasn't hanging out with his friends from the village. He was too busy criticising to realise that he was missing out. And that's the danger of being an older brother. If you're too busy criticising, too busy comparing, then it means you're going to miss out. Comparing yourself is never going to end well. Because you end up either getting prideful. Oh yeah, I'm better than them. Like the older brother, proud. Yeah, I'm better than them. Do you see what I did? Yeah, I'm better than them. I read my Bible every day. Or you end up feeling rubbish because you feel like you're not as good as they are. So comparing yourself is nonsense because you either end up feeling good about yourself and becoming prideful. Or you end up feeling bad about yourself and feeling like you're not worth anything. Comparing yourself never works out. There's an old worship leader called Keith Green. And he says this, he says, it's so hard to see. With comparing, he says, it's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. Because when you're looking at others, you're not looking at God. When you're looking at others, you're not looking at God. When we look in the mirror, we remember what God's done in our own lives. 
So when we put down those binoculars and we look in the mirror, we remember how Jesus saved us. We remember what he's done in our own lives. We remember the cross. We remember the blood. We remember Calvary. We remember that actually I'm saved, not because I get my homework in every t- on time every time, not because I go to youth every week, not because I serve in the kids' church, but I'm saved because of him. I'm no better than a younger brother. I'm no worse. We're all the same, but we're all saved by grace. We're all saved by Jesus. And then we remember why there's a party. We remember why we celebrate. When we look at ourselves and stop looking at others, we remember what Jesus has done. And that gives us a reason to go back into the party to celebrate. I think one of the biggest challenges, though, with looking in this mirror is that it can be, it's hard. Looking at your own sin, your own life, it's hard. It's easier for me to criticise someone else than to deal with the issues in my own heart. I think sometimes we do this because we're worried that when we deal with our own mess, things will get messy. What if people really found out about how I talk about people at break time? What if they found out about what I got to online? What if they found out what I really thought about that preach or that worship time? What if they found out about the marks on my arm? What if they found out about my home life? The list goes on. And so instead of dealing with our own list, instead of dealing with our own mess, we choose to try and point out the fault in others. Instead of dealing with our issues, we keep looking through the binoculars and we point out other people's instead. And if you struggle to look in the mirror, then what you need to do is you need to come back to the truth of God's word. Because what we see in the story of the prodigal son is that actually the father in the story, this is important, the father in the story loves the older son just as much as the younger son. The older brother might have found it hard to look at himself and found it easier to point out his brother. But the father doesn't. The father comes to him. The father, the host of, his, of the party, goes out to the older brother. You see, the older brother, he disrespects his dad. It's like this. Imagine it's your, I don't know, it's your birthday or something. There's, there's a celebration at your house, your parents put on a spread. They, they, they get all the food, they invite all your friends, all the neighbours, everyone's there. You get the hump and you storm out. That's disrespecting your parents. What we see, yes, the younger brother disrespected his dad by saying, can I have my inheritance? But the older brother disrespects his dad as well by leaving the party. And so what we see is we see the father, the host of the party, has to leave his own celebration. He's happy to do it. He steps out and he goes and meets the older brother. Just like when he, goes to, he runs down and he meets his younger brother, the father comes out again and he goes out and he goes this time to the older brother because the father loves younger brothers and older brothers equally. And so the older brother might find it hard to look in the mirror, but the father doesn't. The father loves him anyway. God isn't just interested in younger brothers. 
I think this story and church generally, we focus a lot on younger brothers. But it's important to hear today that God isn't just interested in younger brothers. The father shows us by coming out to the older brother that God is interested in older brothers as well. The cross isn't just for younger brothers. It's for older brothers too. See, the father cares deeply and passionately about both of his sons. Salvation, becoming a Christian, being with Jesus, being in a relationship with Jesus, it isn't about you. It isn't about what you have done. Whether you're a younger brother, whether you're an older brother, ain't about what you've done. It's about Jesus. And Jesus is our true and our better older brother. This is what I mean. When that younger brother was out eating with the pigs, mucking about with prostitutes, what he needed is he needed an older brother. He needed somebody to come to him and say, listen, bruv, what are you doing? Get out of there. Come with me. Come on. It's going to be okay. He needed an older brother. He needed someone to come and help him. Someone to come and remind him of truth. Someone to come and remind him that he's loved. He needed an older brother. And we see in the story of the prodigal son, he didn't get it. But what we know is this, that Jesus is our older brother. Because Jesus does come. Jesus, and this is what the seminars looked at last year in River Factory. Jesus, in Philippians 2, the Bible tells us he didn't consider equality with God something to hold on to. But instead he humbled himself and he became a servant to the point of death and death on a cross. In John it says the word become flesh. The message translation says Jesus moved into the neighbourhood. And so Jesus is our older brother because he moves into the neighborhood. He sees us in our mess, whether we're a younger brother or an older brother. It doesn't matter. Jesus sees us and he comes to us and he rescues us and he redeems us. Jesus is our true and great older brother. Jesus left his father to come to us. He left the party. He left heaven. And he came to rescue us and he came to redeem us that we might be with him. So if you relate to that older brother, put down your binoculars and look in the mirror. Remember, remember what Jesus has done in your own life. Don't worry about those younger brothers. Rejoice, celebrate, remember what Jesus has done in your own life. Remember how he is your true older brother, who not only saves younger brothers, but saves you as well, saves older brothers as well. And so as we leave New Day, as we leave the Riven Factory for another year, let's try and be older brothers like Jesus. Not older brothers like in the story, but older brothers like Jesus, helping others Building up younger brothers instead of criticizing them. Building them up. Encouraging them. Let's be more like Jesus, our true older brother. What we're going to do is we're going to spend a bit of time. We should have a bit of time. I think we've got time. We're going to spend a bit of time praying. It's the last seminar of River Factory. So we're going to spend time praying. And we're going to do it 
in two ways, really. I think there's some people here that are, that are older brothers, that you relate to that. You read the story of the prodigal son and you think, yeah, that's not, I'm not the younger brother, I'm the older brother. And so we want to pray for you and we want you to pray for each other. But equally, there's going to be another other bunch of people here who throughout the whole week of hearing about the prodigal son and that's not me, or sort of worried or, or don't know what to do next when you go home, when you haven't got your seminar and you ain't got a big top. So we want to pray for that as well. So let's stand up together. And we're going to pray. I've got some specifics that I believe that God has, has spoken to me about, that there's people in the room. So if you're an older brother, if you're an older brother and you want prayer because you want to know the father again, because you've been outside the party for too long and you want to go back into the party, then in a minute, not yet, in a minute you can put up your hand. But if you're an older brother and you want to put down the binoculars, you think, yeah, I need to put down the binoculars. I need to look in the mirror. But you're scared to deal with that stuff or there's some messy stuff there and you want help with that. Then in a minute again, you can, you can put up your hand. And if you're an older brother who's already put down the binoculars, you're already looking in the mirror, you, you, you're rejoicing in what God has done and you want the strength to carry on to do that, and then again, in a minute, we'll put up your hand and there'll be people around, Riven Factory team, Red Caps around, and we'll pray for you. And then, if you want to respond about going home, then we really want, Riven Factory team, Red Caps, we really want to pray for you as well. Because the fact of the matter is, it's easy in here to say, yeah, that's not me. It's easy at New Day to be like, yeah, 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 that's not me. It's a lot harder at home. It's a lot harder at youth group on a Friday night when your friends have got their phones out and not engaging in worship. And instead of thinking, ah, I want to worship, but I should just chill out on Snapchat with them as well or whatever. It's a lot harder to engage in that stuff at home. At school, in whichever situation. So if you want help with that, if you want help to be able to stand strong and to, to persevere and when you get home to be like, yeah, that's not me, then we want to pray for you as well. I think what we'll do is, is I'll, I'll, I'll do like a, a prayer first for all of us and for everyone. And then once I've finished, if you want prayer for a specific thing as an older brother or if you want prayer about going home or if you know what, if you want prayer about anything, this is the last, well, not the last chance, but one of the last opportunities to do that. So if you want prayer for anything, then you know what, it might be saying I said, it might be saying else, then you can put up your hand. But I'll pray first, and then once I've finished praying, then uh, you can raise your hand. So Lord, we thank you for the truth of your gospel. We thank you that the cross, we thank you that Jesus' sacrifice isn't just for one type of people. It isn't just the younger brothers, but we thank you that it's for older brothers as well. That it isn't just for white people, it isn't just for black people, it isn't just for boys or girls. The cross isn't just for one type of person, but we thank you that it is for everyone. I pray for older brothers here that are dealing with pride in their hearts. I ask, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them. 
that when they see you, that they would have a reason to celebrate and sing, that they'd have a reason to come back in to the party. I pray for those who are going to go home, that are worried about that. They're worried about what they're going to do when they're in the park with their friends. They're worried about what they're going to do at break time. They're even worried about what they're going to do indoors. I pray, Lord, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, that you would keep them. That that's not me, it wouldn't just be for one week in August, Lord, but that they would have a testimony this time next year to say, I've been living, that's not me for a whole year now. Come, Holy Spirit, and manifest yourself, Lord. We thank you for this week. We thank you for what you've done. Amen.